And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Be the best and you gotta pay a little price. If you want it bad enough, you gotta do a little extra things to get it. Welcome to the 11 Personnel Podcast, your favorite Rams podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Rodrigue, and with me, as always, my fabulous co host, Rich Hammond Rich. How are we doing? Jordan, it's good to be back with you. My thoughts this morning are. Can you imagine what like the next Rams get together is going to be like 38 new players? What do you what do you even do now? What's what's the modern version of wearing like the little name tag things that's like, hello, my name is like, are they going to do like an icebreaker? Like everybody go around the room and like, hi, I'm Warren. Um, I like long walks on the beach like the, the Half of the guys, Jordan. 38 new players between the draft and the UDFA process, uh, which they absolutely needed to do, as we both know, to fill out this roster. I've never seen anything like that. Have you have you ever seen that many players come in basically over the span of what are we talking about? Five, six days here? Absolutely not. I mean, it's pretty unprecedented The the I think it was the 2020 Minnesota Vikings had a 15 player draft class, but even following up on the UDFAs after that, it's not it's not the same in terms of total volume of rookies that are incoming. So the total volume of incoming rookies is enormous. And the thing too, Rich, about this is a lot of these guys are going to get playing time early. Yeah. And that's part of it. So when we talk about, as we get into this episode... As we when we talk about what this draft class is and why they picked where what they did and and why they traded where they did and all the different types of things that we're going to get into, keep in mind the entire time that this is you're you're not just finding guys who are waiting in the wings who eventually project into being a, a piece of of the overall puzzle. No, some of these guys are right now, whether they're ready or not. Here the season comes, they will be thrown thrown into it and thrust into sort of this steep learning curve right away. And so that also was a huge factor in their um, evaluations of a lot of these guys, particularly their day two guys is do they have the um, football understanding and the sort of um, study process and problem solving process on a mental level to really make sure that they can adapt quickly to that learning curve. And I think that's something that's going to be interesting moving forward because, I mean, even the UDFAs, there's more chances than ever for some of these UDFAs to stick to the roster. Now, they, they're, they'll they be at about, what, almost 80-ish um, by the time, you know, all of these guys get signed, give or take, between 70 and 80. I mean, you can't give or take a transaction. They'll be at 70 or 80 through spring OTAs. They the roster limits for training camp is 90 and Sean McVay and Les Snead have both said, come out and said, 
hey, we don't feel like we have to be at 90. So mm. it just, it will change the way they practice. It will, but they have to have enough players to run productive practices, but you don't necessarily have to max out at 90, right? So right. that part's going to be really interesting. You're going to see a lot of tape on these guys in the preseason. You're going to see a lot of contributors through the entire spring and summer process and into the preseason. And I think that's really interesting because not only is that a huge opportunity for young guys inclusive to these UDFAs to actually get those reps that um, on some teams, you just have to hope that you play in the fourth quarter. Instead, a a lot of these guys will be playing right away in in those preseason games. And then also they're going to need to factor in early in in drills. Keep in mind in training camp, so a lot of the first team installs, they rotate between first team reps against second team players and vice versa. And and they go and then they have Mamba periods that are live ones versus ones. And so rotating through that drilling, you also need a um, a good backup quarterback. First of all, we're going to get to that. And second of all, you also need players who can fill in and make an impact on the second team even because they have to continue sharpening each other and they have to be competitive enough to really move the conversation forward and move the team and the install periods forward. So all of this is fascinating to me. I mean, I am so interested in what all of this is going to look like by the time we actually see football, but Rich, for starters, I mean, we got to get to what it all looks like on paper first, I think. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. 
Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Whew. I mean, my goodness, you you have had quite a few days. And by the way, let me just take this little opportunity to brag on you a little bit. Uh, the coverage has been extraordinary. Uh, all of our subscribers already know that, of course. But uh, uh, going back to, of course, the pre-draft process and everything that was run uh, leading up to it. But really, just a, uh, just a stream of information. I don't even know what a word to use exactly. But throughout the entire draft with live updates and, and, and giving analysis afterward, um, I know you've got some stuff coming this week. We're recording this on Monday. I don't know when people listen throughout the week, but uh, Wednesday and Thursday, I know you've got some exciting stuff coming inside the draft process, inside this UDFA process, which obviously is more important than ever for the Rams. Uh, I said a lot of guys coming in, a third quarterback, two kickers, a long snapper, a partridge in a pear tree, the whatever. Long it's, snapper. It's, it's all there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know you'll be getting into a lot of that. We don't have time necessarily to dig into all 24 of those UDFAs, but there's some interesting names there. And I really am looking forward to reading your story on Thursday uh, to see how the Rams went through that process, because it's certainly is a unique one uh, for this team and and maybe for the NFL going back for quite a while. But Jordan, also a huge draft class. I mean, 14 people we, we figured, I know you figured uh, that this was going to happen that that if moves were made during the draft that it would be to trade back to accumulate even more picks that's exactly what happened here uh, you saw a wide variety of positions being upgraded or added to at least i know there was maybe a couple surprises we had talked about the possibility of adding a cornerback early on that's one thing that did not happen they also did upgrade a number of positions that we presumed they needed help in. They needed help uh, along that defensive front, edge rushing, defensive linemen. Uh, they needed some depth in that offensive line. You figured they were going to take a tight end. You figured they were going to take a, a quarterback at some point. They did all of these things. Jordan, I'm going to throw it to you with this. I don't like judging draft classes, and I think we are somewhat in agreement like this. I, I think putting a grade on it or any type of thing is, is kind of folly until you get through. Here's how I look at it. Is it sensible? When you, when you look at who they brought in versus what their needs were, where they utilized their capital, is it sensible? And I look at this and I think it is. I don't know how any of these guys are going to turn out. There's 14 of them. Some are going to make it. Some will probably never see the field. That's going to that's gonna sort itself out. But how did you look at that, Jordan? I mean, did you feel like they utilized that capital in the right way, both in the positions and in trading back? There's a lot of fifth, sixth, seventh round picks in here uh, that they that they acquired that depth in. Was that the right move? Did was was going for targeting some of these positions and some of these later round picks what you expected? And did it did it do you think it was effective? Yeah, I have a couple thoughts on this. Um, and I'm not gonna get into like bantering over oh, they should have picked this guy versus this guy because we just don't know. And particularly the way that the Rams board 
falls, the way that they match players to their own scheme, the way that they um, go through the decision-making process and identify these players. Um, I'm not going to kind of get into that because it's just information. We're missing just a huge subsection of information about what their board actually looked like at those times. Um, I will say that I want to make sure that um, we go through this um, as as factually as possible. And then I know that you guys will all have questions and follow-ups and I am 100 million percent stoked to get those questions um, and to try to answer them the best I can. Um, so first and foremost, I do think this in many ways was a really sensible draft class. Like it wasn't super flashy um, in, in a lot of ways. And the the sort of the biggest outlier about it is that there are 14 freaking picks. So that's that sticks out to me at yeah. the that's my first point that I want to get to is, you know, they this on day two, they beefed up their their lines essentially. Um, Steve Avila is one of, I think, the best picks of any team in this draft. I think that that's really obviously a bold statement, but a player like him, and and I heard from a lot, what's cool is after the Rams picked him, I had a lot of current and former offensive linemen reach out to me unprompted and tell me what a great pick that was. And for that to happen, that is really telling to me because they mm. don't know what the Rams' needs necessarily are. They don't know what the board looks like, but they know Steve. And they know his reputation. They've worked with him. Um, he was a part of the group o- O-Line Masterminds. Um, that's a really prestigious group and talented group to be in um, in, the pre- in the pre-draft process. And he, th- they are, I mean, they love this guy. Love, love, love this guy. And I think when you look at the short term with Steve, he plugs in and immediately makes an impact on their offensive line um, in in the run game. Um, All these scouts just kept saying the words body mover, moves bodies, moves bodies. And I'm like, (laughs) okay, that's like the highest compliment in terms of in the run game, what you can do. Um, And he has position flexibility. So you need him on the left side at guard, play him at left guard. You need him on the right side at guard, play him at right guard. You need him at center, and this is what I want to get to. Play him at center. The communication, the understanding of football, the awareness, the leadership qualities from Steve Avila, I think, are really, really special. I love this pick. Um, this was the first. This he was the number one pick on the Rams draft board on day two. So they reset their yeah. draft boards every single night based on how things fall and what happens. Um, at the end of the first round, they entering the day one in the first round, they were discussing players to potentially trade up for. They were looking into with other teams what the costs might be. They were looking at where the board was falling in terms of the certain pick points. Now, they really looked into five different players dependent on where they would fall and what it would cost and at that pick point to go up and get them. All of those players were on the offensive side of the ball. I want to reiterate because I saw some stuff out there that was maybe um, interesting, but not not necessarily um, accurate. And so the 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 five players that they did look into were all on the offensive side of the ball, which is interesting in its own right because. 
that's got Sean McVay's name written all over it, right? Of who is the skill player, who are the skill players, who are maybe the the top offensive linemen who might fall, uh, could fall, and who would he be sort of itchy in going up and getting? But instead of doing that, instead of maybe reaching, uh, and and some of those guys, there that wouldn't be a reach at all. Like there's some players who are just phenomenal and are probably going to be phenomenal forever. But like instead of doing that and pulling the trigger, um, they they sat back and they waited and. Just to reiterate too, guys, they get all of their intel like at least 10 minutes before you're seeing it, what's happening on the broadcast. Right. They have a league league filing board set up all over the house. They have um, everyone who is upstairs is on the phone the entire time, getting intel from other teams, getting intel from the league itself, from that filing board and from the, their people at the league offices. And they're, they're understanding the way the board is going to fall, first of all. And they're also understanding who's making moves for trades about te- at least 10 minutes before you're seeing it on your TV. So in real time, at about, you know, they they understood the way that the board was going to fall. Um, and the timestamp on the broadcast is about pick number 23 when they start filing downstairs. But they stayed up there the whole time, which means that they very much were looking up, looking into who they might be interested in in trading for or waiting to see and get gather all that intel about who might fall or who was going to make a trade and knocking on doors, as Les Snead said in his press conference. And so, but in in... So that's broadcast time, but in real time, they're already through the end of the round and they already know what's how it's going to shake out and how it's going to fall. So at that point, they start resetting their day two board. Well, I did get a look at it and Steve Avila is was the number one player on their board. Number one player of, of any player, not just at right. the line player. And right. so I think that's really interesting. Um, that's why they were so excited about it. When I send out things... In real time, like obviously a lot of what's covered in real time is on background. I'm hoping you guys look for it, more stuff in this insider piece I have coming out later this week. But in real time, the best I can do for you is try to explain how excited they are, which is never, there's never not a reason to be doing that. I know that there was some annoyance about tweeting out when they were applauding, but there was always a reason when I did tweet those things out. There's always a specific reason. You guys who know me and have followed me let, know that I love to drop clues and hints. And so I just wanted to say there, I hope you guys trust me by now that there's always a reason. Um, and this one was all throughout the house. They were freaking fired up that they got this guy. Um, and so I think that, uh, that that's really interesting. And that's the first point that I want to make is this was sensible in that even when the board fell a certain way and they knew they weren't going to come up into the first round and get somebody, um, one of those offensive players, um, they then went into the second round and they still didn't kind of firefly toward, you know, maybe some someone who was in that section. Instead, what they did was they went and they they got their guy super nervous about whether he would even get to 36. So they're furiously on the phones trying to make sure People are doing, you know, people are going after the tight ends, the little run on those those tight ends right before. There's a sigh of relief there because Steve was their number one player. And this is super interesting to me because even when they had it all planned out, they still, there could, something could have happened, so, you know, that, that would have taken that opportunity away from them. And so like, it, it just was like really the sound of like, 
a hundred people unclenching all at the same time. <laughs> and that was really interesting. And so what does I, I that think, sound like, by the way? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and so I think that's like really telling too. And and like when in talking to Steve afterward, I know I'm I'm getting into the weeds here, Rich, but hopefully you guys are all cool with it. But it just it, it's like it's so talking to him, I just, for me, I see him as the Rams long-term center. That's who I see as they're in talking to him and in hearing from these offensive linemen around the league. Like I see him as their long-term center. Now in the short term, I see him at guard for them because they have a need there and he can immediately plug and play. But in the long term, I see him as being the Rams center for a really, really long time. That's, that's my projection. I know that's bold, but Barring injury circumstances like that, I do see this for him. And I think that's really a solid and sensible pick instead of fire flying away or maybe going after one of those tight ends that still were available. They, you know, they liked a lot, a couple of these tight ends in this class, including Sam Laporta, like, and Michael Meyer. And I think there was, there's obviously going to be a temptation there, but they didn't like any of those guys more than they liked Steve. So I think that that's really important to note. Yeah, which is interesting because I was sitting here watching it. Obviously, you have the knowledge that I don't have <laughs> uh, watching it on on TV. But uh, you saw, uh, you know, the t- first tight end go, and then the Raiders trade up. And I was wondering, you know, they were they were probably sitting there thinking the Rams are going to take a tight end. We need to get in ahead they of them. Absolutely, one hundred percent thought that, and the, yeah. and that's when some of the little intel traps and all those things, that's when some of those things are helpful. And the fact that there are absolutely nonsensical rumors swirling around about Sean McVay, like, you know, want and the Rams wanting to maybe take Will Levis, who, you know, all respect to him. I hate what he went through in that first round, first round, but the Rams were not at even close to having any sort of consensus opinion on Will Levis, and there was absolutely no way they were looking at a quarterback as early as the second round. Their guys that they were monitoring, and we'll get to this in the in the middle of this conversation, but the guys that they were monitoring were all of the tier two, tier three guys, fourth round and later. So they weren't even that wasn't even in consideration. That's not even a question. And they did they did homework right. on all of these. Maybe they fall out of the out of the first. They did homework on those quarterbacks, but not even close to being a consensus opinion. And a consensus opinion is what is either a full yes or a full no. Well, there is there wasn't even close to being any type of consensus on on him as a prospect. And 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 they knew that they weren't going after him anyway. So um, and Les made a joke about this at the end of this day, too. But anyway, that's some of those things actually end up helping you get your guy. So it's kind of like just nobody jinx it in the morning is kind of what they're all where they're all at. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's all a big paranoia game, right? Like, who are they going to draft? Who are they looking at? Do we need to trade up? Can we trade back? Do we stay where we are? It's like you can I can imagine when you're in that room, you can just spin yourself into certain circles, you know, trying to figure it all out. But sounds like it worked out, to, you know, for the Rams as, as well as it uh, possibly could. I was just going to note, Jordan, as I was talking about all of your coverage, one thing I neglected to say is that just this morning, Monday uh, morning, you you dropped the updated depth chart uh, for the Rams. And, and I was just going to mention what you already said, which was that you have uh, Steve Avila as the Rams starting left guard. So you see it right there. That's uh, in, and he's a guy who is a potential plug and play guy. Uh, I know he could move around a little bit, guard position, center positions. But I, I think, uh, again, it, it it fits for me because 
of the need and because of who he seems to be for all these reasons that you mentioned, uh, I like the pick and uh, for, for what he can do for the run game. You know, that's where my heart always is, Jordan. So it doesn't doesn't hurt uh, from that perspective. But uh, again, not the not the eye popping move, not the Will Levis, not, uh, you know, but but the Rams have gotten themselves into trouble with that before. So sensible, smart practical i'm all in favor of it uh, i think it's a, it's a good uh move there anything else you want to add about steve avila we want to go round. Uh, maybe we go round by round here yeah, and just talk about these different guys yeah so i we, we've covered him pretty extensively but if yeah I'll, I'll leave you the opportunity to uh, say anything else you want to say about him but but if not we can go on to the third round because there's a couple really interesting picks here as well with uh, number 77 uh byron young out of Tennessee see the edge rusher also a position that we talked about quite a bit in terms of the rams needing some some depth there and then they come back 12 picks later number 89 with kobe turner uh some help up front at defensive tackle so these are both interesting guys jordan i mean we're, we're you get into the third round you get into that little bit of squishy area where if these guys had no flaws whatsoever they wouldn't be third round picks right but so there, there's there's some issues there but there's also seemingly with these two guys a lot of potential and some very interesting skill sets with these two guys. So what did, what did you, what did you learn about these two defensive guys? Yeah. So pretty interesting on both. So Byron young, like to me, that's a pick made by a team that is sick and dang tired of the quick game getting to them over and over and over and over again. Um, it's a combination of rush and coverage that was the issue for that. But particularly when we're talking about the pass rush, we're talking about just a sort of a, other than Aaron Donald, a really one speed operation last year. They had a really hard time manufacturing that true speedball presence off of the edge. And so I do have concerns about Byron Young in terms of how he fares against the run game. So they'll have to have a plan for that. And he's going to really have to develop with new OLBs coach Joe Coniglio, um, who I did meet actually, by the way, for the first time. Um, and uh, he was super fired up to be involved in the in the draft process and all of that. But um, and, um, you know, that's that's something that's a big point of emphasis is he has tended to um, s- struggle a bit when trying to be an every down outside linebacker. Um, however, the speed is no joke with this guy. And to me, that speaks of, okay, they know that they are not going to get a player who has quote unquote everything at outside linebacker at that pick point. So what are the priorities? And the priority is passing downs and that priority leads to speed, speed traits. And so I think that's really, really interesting. Obviously his story is incredible. He really kept believing in himself um, the entire journey um, from going to a military college and managing a dollar general where on the wall he saw a flyer for football try or excuse me first of all he was managing a dollar general then he saw a football tryout flyer for a military college in the area and then he he tried out and got a spot got his grades together kept working his way up through junior college ranks until he ended up at Tennessee and really has pretty limited tape at Tennessee so what the Rams scouts went and did is they went back obviously and and got his tape from his former stops Juco and the military college to really try to put together not just a picture of who he is as a player but a development picture of how he has taken steps forward every single um, stop that he's been at. So I think that was important in their eval process. And 
really confident, confident guy in talking with him. He's ready to try to be an impact player right away. I think with a player like Byron Young, you're looking at a rotation early on because again, the run game, the run defense is a, is a concern. And so I think that you're really looking at um, somebody who's a situational pass rusher and you're looking at more of a rotation, but somebody has to step up and take at least one spot as an every down player on the outside. And that's something that's still sort of up in the air. Do they bring in a veteran player who is not, maybe not flashy, but just stable on that side of the ball. And then they work their rotation on the other side of the line, um, because then you can get some speed power mixed, mixed in there. And these guys, you get a really good opportunity to, um, there's a lot of versatile pass rushers that they picked up in this draft class. So you're getting an opportunity to really mix up different types and styles of pass rusher, which is always so annoying if you're a quarterback and you're having to deal with that. But this pick specifically speaks to me of a team that was just sick to death of, uh, <laughs> and actually their cornerback pick tells me this too, a team that was sick to death of quarterbacks getting the ball out at record rates against their pass rush and totally neutralizing it and needing to really make an adjustment in the rush and the coverage in, in that regard. So that's who Byron Young is to me. And then here's something really cool about Kobe Turner. So I, I know this, he is a guy who has been debated uh, at this pick point. And I get that. Trust me, I understand. But one thing that the Rams really knew they needed to do, they did, they were interested in trying to get a deal done with Greg Gaines, a, a lo very low cost deal in free agency. But Greg Gaines has a say too in, in where he goes in free agency. And also the Bucks went moved really, really fast in trying to get Greg locked in. And so he's a player that they want to keep factoring in because specifically the Greg Gaines type of player of who he is as a defensive tackle, um, that really Aaron really, really plays well with that type of player, maybe a little bit undersized, but can disrupt enough hassle the middle, um, just 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 that annoyance in the middle enough to make others hesitate and hesitation is all Aaron needs. And Aaron is a really creative rusher and he's, he has the autonomy because he is the best football player on the planet. He has the autonomy to, to be creative and freestyle with his rush. So you need a really smart player, a player who is really, really in tune and understanding what the full picture looks like in slow motion in real time. Now, Kobe Turner is not the biggest player. He's not the strongest, although he does really know how to work his leverage. Um, but he is probably one of the smartest players in this entire draft. And mm. he's also somebody who directly coaches were comping during the, this entire process to having that Greg Gaines type immediately back for them um, in the middle. And just like, you're going to wait and see how he can put his, his own pass rush tools together, but you're going to have someone who's just, just an annoyance in the middle, right. For, for the lineman, <laughs> just enough right. creating just enough to create those hesitation gaps in those places for Aaron. So that was what was really interesting to me about that pick. And Kobe, um, I really love talking with him after he was picked really, really smart kid. Um, really interested to see what he does really hard studies, really hard, really tries to apply technical work to his own game because he knows he's not the biggest player. So um, I think that's another factor. When we talk about people who are supposed to become long-term leaders over the next few years and start, maybe start as rookies, that's sort of what they're targeting here in these three picks on um, day day uh, day two here. Yeah. Uh, very interesting to see. And I, and I like that Kobe Turner 
pick for the reason that you said there. It's 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 also the fit and and how you want to play and who is he playing next to. It's not always about the player, although that skill set is is important. But it's also where's where is he going to play and how's how are you going to expect him to play? Who's he going to play next to? So when you factor those things in, yeah, you can look. And I saw people saying, oh, it's a reach. They could have waited. Blah blah blah. But if you know what you're looking for and and you find that skill set in a person then you need to do it. So I, it's an interesting pick. I'm, I'm of all the, of all the earlier picks, that's obviously the one that I think uh, people are going to be looking at and see how that, how that works out. But um, love that Byron uh, young story. I mean, just, it's like, a, I mean, it's a movie. It's a movie that's already written, right? I mean, you don't even need to add any more drama to it. Uh, so, so good for him. It says a lot about him. I think that that he would even follow that path and and get himself to this point. So very cool. Somebody I think you can uh, you know cheer for. Um, fourth round, only one pick, but boy, did they make the most of it. Uh, <laughs> Hang on to your one twenty eight. Get it? Yeah, get it. He deserves to stand alone in the fourth round. So obviously, Stetson Bennett, quarterback out of Georgia, joining Matthew Stafford and. Um, we we kind of figured this was coming, right, Jordan? I mean, not Stetson Bennett necessarily himself, but uh, somebody in that range, somebody who could potentially be a backup quarterback this year. Uh, does he check the boxes as far as you're concerned? And my other question to you, h- harder question to answer, I understand, but what's the Stetson ben- uh, Bennett's um, storyline over the next three or four years here? Is mm-hmm. is this a guy who could potentially compete for a starting job after Matthew Stafford does move on for whatever reason? Uh, is this a guy who's just looked at in the short term as, hey, this is going to be our steady backup, really smart, like to have him in the room, that sort of thing? Can you kind of walk us through a little bit what the Rams were, were thinking on this one? So I'll answer your second one first. I don't know what his four-year plan looks like um, because the parameters that he has right now are pretty clearly outlined. He is the backup quarterback. And so I I don't know. I'll have to see. I'll have to just see, frankly. I I have not seen him practice ever. I don't know how he is in the locker room. I just don't know. So I do know that this was the guy Les Snead wanted. So when we talk about like maybe McVay getting twitchy earlier um, when they were looking at quarterbacks, this was really, and and frankly, the, the staff, the scouting staff and the coaching staff were of one mind on Stetson Bennett, where a lot of the quarterbacks they looked at, there wasn't really a concern. Consensus, but in this case, there was a consensus, especially um, starting, you know, on day three. They weren't going to get pick up someone earlier than that. But because they had such a consensus and because they actually had, you know, heard around different league circles that some other NFL teams were actually higher on Stetson than they publicly were letting on. Um, this was the the place that they wanted to pick him. I think we're always going to argue whether it was too high or not. I think that's a fair argument as to whether that was the right time to get him or not. They didn't have another fourth fourth round pick. And if you look at the gap between um, their fourth round pick and their fifth round pick, I think they felt that that gap was too wide between 128 and 161 or 128 and 174. Um, I think that they felt that those those gaps were were way too wide to, to risk it, essentially. And so that's, you know, that's me explaining what what the thinking was. It's not me agreeing right. with it um, or right. disagreeing with it. It's just me explaining what it is. So I one of the things to your first question, one of the things I really want you you guys to 
um, to think about in terms of the big picture of what this team is. Um, you have your starting quarterback, Matthew Stafford, who is feeling healthier and better than he has in years, frankly, who wants to keep playing, who has been uh, financially reciprocated and into playing and who is under contract for the next couple of years and financially uh, reciprocated for the time that the Rams assume he will, they will get from him. So, and the caliber of play. So in the short term, you as a team have suffered from the worst case scenario of all worst case scenarios. Um, last year, you got to a point where not only was your quarterback hurt because the line was so embattled, he was taking more hits than any quarterback in the Sean McVay era, but also at a certain point, your season was going so badly that even if your quarterback was not hurt, you probably should have sat his ass down anyway. And so I think that when you're looking at this and then you're looking at the way they really rotated, rolled right through their backup quarterbacks without much spark, without much belief in those backups that were already on their roster to the point where they became the only team to make a waiver claim on Baker Mayfield um, and then had, you know, a mixed bag with him, but certainly felt like they had a shot in the games that they were playing in. Um, that last part is something I want you guys to think about. So th the reason why they pick Stetson Bennett is a lot of a lot of traits things. No, he's not the biggest quarterback, but traits traits wise, the timing, getting the ball out on time, throwing guys open, has some mobility. He's not necessarily a uh, a quarterback. You're he's not gonna you're not gonna run him on like zone read anything like that. But in terms of the timing and in terms of um, the way that he can find windows and uh, understand spacing, the way that he can leverage those spaces, the way that he can work in the play action if needed, the way that he can uh, escape and and create out of structure, those types of things are things and, and and playing on big stages. Those types of things were things that drew them to him. One of the biggest factors and differentiating him perhaps from other quarterbacks who they could have been interested in around this, this time on this day was the way that he competes. And you hear a lot of mixed opinions on Stetson Bennett. I certainly have seen them. And thank you guys, by the way, for all of the comments, because it really is um, providing me with a clear look at sort of what the debate is about about this kid. Um, or I guess you can't call him a kid because he's 25 years old. So yeah. um, about this adult. Um, and so <laughs> and so, um, you know, I, I, I'm understanding a little bit more clearly, like what the debate has been at this point. But in terms of what they the Rams really liked about him is he is a player who um, they felt and when they watched on tape and then they even saw some him play in person. Some of them did. Um, they watched a player who had that that Baker Mayfield adjacent vibe where he was going to even if he sucked, he was going to lead. And I'm not saying that either of them, you know, I'm not I'm not characterizing either of them as as bad or anything like that. But like, right. even if things are horribly, horribly wrong, he's still going to try to do whatever it takes and literally, you know, try to manufacture whatever he possibly can to try to give the team a chance. And not just in a way that's leaning on players around them, but the the quarterback actually doing those things. And so I think that that is the biggest thing is last year, the Rams learned very, very quickly how, what it can do if you're in a game and Sean McVay too, let's not forget what he went through last year. And, um, 
you know, how he turned some things around for himself personally. Um, when you feel like you have a chance, at least, even if the world is burning around you, when you feel like you have a player who at least gives you a chance. And again, we have to see it. I'm not sure if what they think is ever going to come true. However, this is what their thinking was in drafting Stetson Bennett is a, a cheap a cheap option for the next at least four years who, if right. the world... If their football world totally implodes, at least they feel that they have a chance to be competitive. And that's, I think, probably, you know, we don't know how this season's going to go for them. They think they'll be better than a lot of people think that they will be. But what if they're not? What if something happens? Well, at that point, you have you're run by a head coach in Sean McVay and a front office who believes that they can be competitive this year. And you're sitting there and thinking, okay, even in the worst case scenario, the floor does rise a little bit as opposed to what they went through last year. And so I think that's really the big thing. The other thing I want people to really think about with Bennett is he's going to be having to develop as a backup quarterback, obviously. So um, go back and read the op-eds that John Walford wrote for The Athletic so you can have a better understanding of how that backup quarterback manages his time. Because aside from taking all of those developmental reps and then repping as much of the first team shadow reps, quote unquote, as you can, you're also running a live scout team against the first team defense. Now, this is a first team defense who is going to feature mostly rookies, some second-year players. Most of them are still under 21 years old, um, or excuse me, under 22 years old. Many of them are, and um, some of them were born in like 2002, which makes me want to die. But um, like they, <laughs> this is a young group minus Aaron Donald, Jordan Fuller, Ernest Jones are now the most experienced players. Marquise Copeland as well, but a different journey for him. They're now the most experienced players on this defense. It's going to be a super young team. And the only way that you're going to get better as a super young defense is through those live reps that you're getting on a live scout team on your, it's a either a Wednesday or a Thursday of your practice. And the quarterback who is running those reps now plays a big role in developing that defense. So is that quarterback going to be competitive enough in a practice to be able to give the defense what it needs? So it's sort of a two-way offense and defense pick, which when I tweeted out that the offensive and defensive staffs were applauding over the Stetson Bennett pick, this is the reason, there is a reason why I shared that out. Um, that, and I know, again, I know that drew some annoyance, but I just want to explain, like, there's a reason why, um, the, the defensive coaches were also celebrating this pick is because they want to go against a quarterback like that because it will make them better, or they believe it will make them better. Again, I'm communicating and translating what they think. It is not my plan. (laughs) (laughs) But, but it makes sense. And again, that's where we're coming back to that, right? There's no, there's no assurances here. There's no guarantees that anything will play out, but it's sensible. And I know we, we, you know, we made a little joke there about his age, but a 25 year old quarterback, a lot different than a 22 year old quarterback. I mean, just have those, those three years and having the experience that he's gone through playing in the sec, playing in championship games, all of these things. I mean, if you're looking, if you were drawing up what you were looking for from that spot, somebody who's intelligent, somebody who's been in big moments, who's a little bit older than just your average rookie, it checks off those boxes. It doesn't mean that Stetson Bennett is going to become a, a QB one in the NFL. And that's kind of where I, you know, I, I asked you the unanswerable question, which 
is you know what what's the what's the long play here we have no idea what the long play is and there might not even be necessarily necessarily a long play strategy in mind here this this is a short play strategy that makes sense and then you know figure out the rest a little bit later so um it's very interesting from that perspective and one more thing too the the really funny one of the things that's been amusing about this is so Obviously, Stetson had some uh, off the field issues um, in in the spring um, and some of the, the, you know, the public intoxication charge and, and all of that in Dallas. And one thing that was interesting is so they, of course, they talked to him about that. They mostly talked about football. I mean, they didn't really press him too much on this particular thing. But in terms of some of the off the field stuff or some of the um, the personality, you know, you hear like I went in the message boards, all that, which, oh, my God, that is a place. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to anyone who is a fan of or covers college football, because, wow, I haven't been in the message boards in like eight years. And right. I I seem to have blocked it out of my memory. But like I went and I, and I looked because I wanted to see what are people saying about this guy. And the interesting thing is it's like you know, a unique personality who, you know, a lot of his teammates really loved him. The Rams asked some of the Georgia players that they already had on their roster and previously, like what they thought about him, all this stuff. And um, the the personality stuff to me, it's like, okay, yeah, well, um, you know, it, he's confident and, um, you know, has had some unique quotes and sound bites, has had some, you know, has is a little, has a little chip on his shoulder, those types of things. Well, you know, to me, that's just sort of like the meme that conjures to mind is like that picture of like Jay Cutler with the sunglasses on and the cig in his mouth. Like to me, that's like backup Hollywood backup quarterback. You know what I mean? Like Stetson, a guy named Stetson. He's your Hollywood backup quarter. I mean, come on. Like it's just to me, it's like, hey, man, he sounds like backup quarterbacks, a perfect job for a person with a huge personality in, in that regard. But also, you know, someone with a huge personality who people like to be around at the same time, understanding what the hierarchy in the room is like, it just seems to me, it just seems like based on um, some of the at times well-hidden bravado among this coaching staff and front office, I do think that the personality match, um, I think the personality match is there. Yeah. Yeah. You're saying a guy who's a little bit undersized and has a little bit of edge to his personality <laughs> might fit well in, in the Rams. I, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about, Jordan. Um, but no, it, it does. It does. Make We've a seen lot some sense. public intoxication from these guys. Come on. I mean, I'm not making light of, <laughs> no, of that know, situation at all. But like, no, I, I'm not making light of it at all. But but I'm just yeah. saying I, I, I will say, guys, I think. Um, at this point, I've been around for almost, you know, I'm entering year four. I think his personality is a fit. That's all I'll say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, obviously the Georgia connection, he's going to be playing behind Matthew Stafford. and that, That's going to be an important relationship. So it doesn't hurt there for sure. Um, other interest that just I know we're not going to get into all the UDFAs, but uh, but they did also sign a dresser win from from Tennessee Martin. Talk about your good names. We have wow. two. We have two inanimate objects for back for their camp arms, Stetson and Dresser. And dresser. Yeah, yeah. Now yeah. you just need like coat rack, and you're good. <laughs> I get him for special teams. <laughs> coat rack, Hamilton. 
They have Alex there. Ward. That's one one off from wardrobe. Ward. Just get all the furniture, all yeah. the uh, yeah. I like it. We can come up with the all instead of the all. Yeah, let's team. let's uh let's couch this for now and move uh, on to the fifth year, Rich. <laughs> yeah, let's table this. Let's table this discussion until later. Um, uh, off the rails we go. Um, all right, good stuff. Fifth round. Moving on as we do. Um. A couple in uh, four picks here, by the way, uh, uh, outside linebacker Nick Hampton, uh, offensive lineman Warren McClendon. And then the two that, that grabbed me, I don't want to lead you in any particular direction, Jordan, but uh, tight end Davis Allen. We talked about tight ends a little bit earlier and how we thought the Rams would get one. They did indeed with the number 175 pick Davis Allen out of Clemson. And then just two picks later, the Rams had a nice little run there. They, <laughs> they had three picks out of four and they, they closed ready out to that. talk about it because it came with some trades and it was a really chaotic period of time. So I'm not, yeah, ready, it's I'm, not, not I'm not quite yeah. ready to talk about the, okay. the, the, uh, the rate, the hierarchy, and then the rollout of the picks themselves, but I yes. definitely am fine talking about the players. So <laughs> okay. I'm well, scarred. Well, yes, it is. It is. It is. <laughs> very chaotic uh but the uh the the 177th pick there um interesting one in uh puka nakua from byu and um i don't want to fall into the temptation of ooh, let's talk about the shiny wide receiver but he's a really interesting pick mm-hmm. and um i don't know if you want to start there jordan I, i'd like to hear more about the tight end also just was reading some of the scouting reports on him and uh the potential and kind of what role he might play there but uh, nakua what's what's the what's the attraction there and is this a guy who could carve out a role for himself when we talk about the way that they want to reshape this offense a little bit yeah, you, it's definitely a dart throw because he has a concerning injury history. So that's the thing is, can he stay healthy enough to actually get reps to actually make an impact? Um, what I really like about him is his yards after catchability. And when he talks, he sounds like Cooper Cup in terms of the knowledge, the football knowledge. So I, I think you guys, I urge you guys, If I don't know if they have it posted or not. I'll have some of it in this piece coming out. But if they um, have his post uh, post-draft selection press conference, filed over on the rams.com. Um, I urge you guys to go listen to it because he's already talking about um, working into the F working into the wide zone concepts, making sure he's doing things as a blocker, but he's not just sort of reciting things that coaches have said to him, which sometimes you can tell from prospects. Instead, he's clear. He's very much like visualizing himself and also um, t- thinking and talking about um, exactly what his responsibilities would be within those concepts and structures. So I think that's super, super interesting. They've missed a player like this um, following the departure of Robert Woods. They've really missed a player um, who has sort of this type of similar skill set. And, and especially, I think they probably liked how he visualizes and thinks about the game of football. So I think mm-hmm. that that's really interesting. Um Again, the injury thing, This he's a dart throw because of the injury history. And so I don't know if it works or if it doesn't work, but I can absolutely see why the coaching staff gravitated toward him. Um, and then Davis Allen, so developmental player for sure, but somebody who has a high floor considering his traits as a blocker and as a pass catcher. I think that um, he could eventually become a, a friendly t- target. And obviously tight end is a need here because um, – uh, Tyler Higby is in the last year of his contract and he's getting older 
And also um, Bryson Hopkins is in the last year of his contract. And it's just taken uh, some time for, for Bryson to really um, catch on into his development and had some stuff with a suspension last year. So definitely someone that they're looking at um, Davis Allen is a longer term project player for them. Um, and then Nick Hampton, I really liked his tape. He like destroyed North Carolina, um, which was really interesting. I went back and watched some of the cutups from that that game. Um, again, speed power combination, but you're really right now. I think you're looking at like a sub package guy, but you're you're really hoping that he evolves into more. Um, and then um, Warren McClendon, I think might be again. It's funny I'm picking the lineman, but might be my favorite pick in this in this group. Frankly, I mean. Mm. Who, Puka, I think, is super interesting, and I, I hope he stays healthy. But in this group specifically, I think Warren McClendon might be my my favorite, and I think he could surprise people um, early in his career. I mean, I don't – obviously, it's all projection. But um, I really think that it's one of those situations where it, it reminded me sort of of – do you remember when um, they found Alaric Jackson – and it was mm-hmm. like he was the other offensive lineman at Iowa. And so people mm-hmm. kind of just like he just dropped, you know, and yeah. I'm not saying that Warren is that way, but he kind of reminds me of like maybe a player who got lost on a really loaded up roster um, because he has some really positive traits and he has played again in big time games against big time talent and fared pretty well. Um, and he also has position flexibility that I think got a little bit lost in his scouting reports, actually, because he was talking about all of the different positions he was playing in including on scout team. And he's played all over the line, except for, um, I mean, I think he filled in even once at center, but like as an emergency, but like he's played all over the line. And so that to me, it's like you have a huge update or excuse me, a huge upgrade in your swing backup player in the short term, because last year, um, no disrespect, but they were using like Bobby Evans for that player and like signing guys off the street for that player. But now you have a massive major upgrade in the guy who's your instant swing depth. And then in the longer term, I mean, you are looking at Rob Havenstein, who is, you know, who is great and on a, and on a con on a three-year deal, but you know, he is getting older as well. And, and you're looking at, um, you know, maybe possible longer term contingency plans. And I think Warren McClendon is a really exciting player. Yeah. And it, we all know position versatility for the Rams. They're always something that they look at. And um, so not surprising to, uh, to see him, uh, obviously a, a Stetson Bennett teammate also. So I'm sure there was a little bit of Intel uh, there as, as they talked to him about what kind of player that uh, Warren McClendon was. I don't know, maybe vice versa. So uh, not too shocking to see those two uh, kind of end up as a, as a pair together. Um, but yeah, in- interesting picks there, uh, Jordan. But let, let's go on because there's another reason. This this guy getting into the sixth round here, I think, is, is a real talker. You don't usually <laughs> consider your six, one of your sixth round picks to be c- kind of the uh, one of the, the bigger names that come out of the draft. But the, the Rams with pick 182, uh do get their cornerback waited waited a little while, maybe a little bit longer than people had anticipated that they would, but they get Trey Hodges Tomlinson out of TCU. They also seven picks later uh, pick up another edge rusher, uh, O'Shawn Mathis out of Nebraska. But Jordan, everybody's talking about this cornerback. Um, and for various reasons, he's obviously not the biggest cornerback in the world, uh, but he had a fantastic season at TCU award winner um 
where's the fit here? And uh, this obviously isn't a Jalen Ramsey replacement and no. nobody is nobody is saying that. But what I'm very fascinated to see what to hear what the Rams were looking at when they when they watched his tape and, and what they thought the fit was there. Yeah. So let me preface this by saying, like, I am still concerned about the length, the overall length and um, experience level of their corners. So Robert Rochelle is the only corner they have who's over six feet tall. And obviously he has the long, the long arms in the group as well. I did a story a couple of years ago about all of his athletic traits. That's what really drew the staff to him. Um, he's built like Jalen Ramsey. So he's the one who, at least by his athletic profile, um, fits that type of cornerback mold. He's the only one in the group. And so, and, and, and as we know, Robert Rochelle has really had a hard time staying on the field on defense and has played special teams. Um, and I think we all can agree really, we, we, as a, you know, this, the coaching staff, and then we on the outside in the media, this, we all think that it would be a, it's a really important year for him. I mean, he needs, he absolutely has to take a step forward this year. It's a crucial, crucial time in his career arc to be doing that. And with such a a young thin group, he will be getting more reps actually on defense instead of playing on the scout as some of the issues they've had in terms of development mean players, not only coaching turnover, obviously the player himself is a factor, And then also, obviously, the reps, because they're so top heavy, a lot of these players are not getting actual reps within a defense. They're getting scout. They're they're having to become scout team players for the other side to practice against because they are so top heavy. So players who need to see the field to in order to get that development, maybe have not been able to in the past. Uh, because they did spend such a long time being so top heavy, which again worked out great for them. But also now it's now it's really, you know, proving ground here. So right. Trey Tomlinson, I here's what I would love to see. I don't know if this is gonna happen. This is just my own personal what I would really, really love to see. Maybe I'll, you know, maybe I'll like skyride it or something. But like, oh. I really would like to see this. It's a lost art. <laughs> Only you would you don't see very many skywriting. Only anymore. you would make that comment. <laughs> I mean, when's the last time you saw skywriting? I don't know. We'll see okay. any right now. Okay. Yeah. So, so um, I think that what I would love to see is Trey Tomlinson deployed in the same way that they tried and dabbled with Troy Hill in the past, but didn't really stick with for a variety of reasons, including injuries, um, not just to Troy, but also to other players where he had to fill in elsewhere. I would really love to see Trey Tomlinson underneath their match zone in jumping those short routes, jumping the quick game. And I think that when I mentioned, I think this is another pick for that, speed rush coverage combination, I think he very much qualifies because he's extremely smart. He's extremely aggressive. His ball skills are awesome. The only thing he doesn't have going for him is his height. And he even he played outside corner yeah. at TCU. But again, like I just I really got to see it in the NFL before I go there. And so we'll we'll kind of put a 
placeholder on that particular element. But in terms of right away, I would really love to see him roaming as a combination man zone player underneath their zone shell, where the idea and the ethos, as we've said millions of times at this point, is to come down really hard from depth, not quite so much depth as they played last year, by the way, not quite so much cushion. The idea and the ethos should be to come down from depth really fast, really hard, really aggressively, and match over the top of routes so that pre-snap, what you you don't know what you're looking at, and all it looks like is a zone shell. And post-snap, it actually turns into a match zone, which is a man-adjacent concept. So it turns into man after the snap and after the rotations. And mm. Trey Tomlinson is somebody who I think is perfect for that type of scheme because, and especially if he can work underneath, because he can basically identify and isolate tendencies and different uh, pattern matches that the receivers run um, at, at that the Rams that they study every week. And he can jump down over the top of, you know, those types of things to make the quarterback hesitate instead of getting the ball automatically out extremely quick. It's some of the things that you ideally would have liked would like to see Jalen Ramsey doing in from the star. But at a certain point, I think Jalen Ramsey got stretched too thin in having to make up so much different types of, of ground for what they struggled with in the secondary last year. And so Trey Tomlinson, I think brings that edge, that level of assertion. It's all about making the quarterback, not sure what he's seeing and also making him hesitate after the snap. And Trey Tomlinson to me is a perfect player to do something like that. And I would really, really love to see him as the dropped player underneath that shell in basically just being a freaking menace uh, to whatever. And, and the thing is you don't want him on a tight end, but my guess would be he would volunteer because that's his personality. <laughs> right. I mean, the dude is confident. Tenacious. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. I, I think really, I, I, I'm really, really interested to see how his role plays out because I think that means too that you can because Kobe Durant does have position flexibility, but we have seen he can play on the outside. And so I do think that that means that you you kind of have Kobe and um and um uh Trey as that that really cool interchangeable, very positionless, very savvy smart tandem that we actually saw in the in 2020 and 2021 between Jalen Ramsey and Troy Hill when they were really successful and taking the ball away a lot. And mm -hmm. also that we saw between Jalen Ramsey and Darius Williams um, when they were again, really, really savvy and taking the ball away a lot. I can picture an exact mirrored concept. Remember when Darius Williams jumped that screenplay against Seattle and it was a pick six. Yeah. I mean, that's Trey Tomlinson. I can absolutely 100 million percent see that. And so to me, I think that that's, I'm very, very excited to see that's my vision. I don't know if that, you know, that's right. obviously life is a lot more complicated than just what you say out loud and words on paper. But like, that's, that's really what I would think would be ideal for him to be in this role. And like I said, this dude's really smart and he is really confident and he's really aggressive and he's coming into this building with a huge chip on his shoulder because he, he was the Jim Thorpe award winner, the best defensive yeah. back in the nation in college. And he dropped to the fifth round or to the sixth round. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm pissed. I'm pissed if I'm him and, and he's really going to come mm -hmm. in and I think really work hard.
Yeah, yeah, I, I I like the pick, um, a sixth round pick. I mean, I don't know how you can do uh, much better than than you know somebody who's got some great tape and uh, you know obviously isn't going to check every box, but your sixth round pick isn't going to check every box, uh, but he can do some really really good things for them. So I'm fascinated to see uh, how they use him in in that defense. Um, finishing it out, four picks in the seventh round. Zach Three Evans, picks. three picks. Zach Evans is a six rounder. They did trade up first for Zach Evans. The, when we talk about the sixth and seventh round, Rich, it's a, a good point you bring up because I do think that there are two players they got really good value here for. And Zach Evans is one of them. He dropped pretty far in the draft. Um, and then um, the other player is uh, Jason Taylor, the second, the safety out of Oklahoma State, who really had about a uh very early fourth or excuse me very early fifth late fourth round grade and dropped all the way uh to the seventh so i think that the rams did find good value on those players um and we'll see how it all shakes out but in my depth chart i do have zach evans as the number two because and only because the Rams staff had sort of made it clear last year, even when they were thin at running back, that Kyron was more in a third down role for them. Um, they love Kyron Williams, but they sort of made it clear with how they were deploying him last year that that was sort of going to be his his at least shorter term future with them. And then Zach Evans, um, I think, is a really good complement to Cam Akers. And so the job for the lead is Cam's to lose at this point. Yeah. And so we'll just sort of see how it shakes out. And I do think Jason Taylor is someone who I can see competing to be in a rotation pretty early on. Really, really aggressive player. Needs to get some technical s- skills sort of honed out, but like super, super aggressive. Um, it was really cool talking to him on the phone. Um that was one of those where I had a hard time keeping it together because Mm. he was so overcome with emotion. Um, and when I hear people cry, it makes me cry. (laughs) Um, (laughs) as you can imagine, I'm not a crier, but somehow that's the thing that does it to me. Uh, And uh. so, um, I think, uh, that one was really emotional. He was, um, thinking that at some point he's, you know, not going to be drafted. And so mm. he goes outside from watching literally so many picks, 233 picks fall off wow. the board and, wow. um, thinking, okay, I'm not going to get drafted. So he goes out sort of despondent with his mom into their backyard to talk about what his options are and what should I do? I'm going to be a CF, a UDFA, a CFA. So where should I go? Let's talk about this thinking the whole time, of course, that he's maybe going in the fourth round. And then all of a sudden, as he and his mom are talking, the call comes in from, from Les Snead and um, his mom gets to see, to be there with him as like their futures totally changed, their fortunes totally changed. And then he got to go back inside and tell his family for the first time that uh, uh, because they thought that he wasn't going getting drafted. So he gets to go back in and say, oh, my God, I just got the call. I'm being drafted. And so that was really interesting. He's someone who they did not want to let fall to college free agency. Um, so yeah. that's that's what a lot of times the reason why you see the seventh round picks um, go the way that they do. And I think, you know, the Rams historically have found good value on safeties. And I think this is also good value on the, on the running back. So again, you could argue the picks right. and who they should have taken and who they shouldn't have taken, but in correlation to their model specifically um, value, value picks in those rounds. Um, and then we, of course, rich, we have to talk about the punter. 
Yeah. And a potential kickoff guy, too. Right. Is that how that is that how that projects? I know people were asking you uh, whether or not there was a potential that he could be the kicker also. And I think you mentioned, eh, well, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but, but you, you might be looking at him as more as a, a kickoff option. Yeah. When it's the I think it was a misconception. It's not place kicker as in field goal kicker. He's a kickoff guy. So right. he really enjoys kickoffs. Uh, he was kind of um, speaking quite poetically about them on the phone when he was when we were on the phone with him. <laughs> wow, we got to get this guy on the podcast. I know yeah. he loves yeah. punting and kicking, guys. Yeah. That's, he's a yeah. He so yeah. and so um, Ethan Evans out of Wingate. I am familiar with Wingate because, as you guys know, I used to live in uh, North Carolina for about four years covering the Panthers, and mm-hmm. um, so I am familiar with the area. Very very small school. He's from a very very small mountain town. Um, he, it, it's very, it's really interesting. Um, his, his whole journey, he's only 21 years old. Um, so there's going to be some growth and some maturity His you know, he's obviously the physical traits are still going to be changing for a couple of years. So, um, that's going to be interesting to see how he develops, but that's their guy. You, you notice, you see in their, uh, UDFA class, they did bring in two kickers and a long snapper. Like I said, uh, Ward, he was their guy, Alex Ward out of UCF. He was their guy the whole time. And I think they were thrilled that he fell out of the draft because he could have been drafted. And I think they were thrilled that he fell out of the draft and then is going to be joining them. He's someone they recruited for a long time um, in case he did become a UDFA and somebody who I think if they heard that he was going to be drafted, I do think that they maybe would have jumped in and tried to take him. They certainly probably would have uh, held on to some of those uh, later picks that they had to just in case if they had heard that he was going to be drafted. So um, the long snapper, you have to have a steady long snapper to make the entire operation go. So it does make sense to me. And then as noted before, um, in in the only useful information in my mock draft was about what they're going to do at kicker, which is, (laughs) um, if they, if they couldn't get their top guys, everyone's top guys are the same. You can see like where they were drafted. Those are everyone's top guys. If they can't or decide not to, or won't get the top guy. And I don't know anyone who, other than the team that did, who's in the Bucks back in the day, who's going to spend a third round pick on a kicker, but I digress. Right. And so um, you, <laughs> you, he's a really good kicker. So no disrespect, but um, yeah. so, so they're not going to do that. They're not going to do fifth round. They're not going to, they could maybe have done sixth, but then a couple of guys in the sixth, including um, Evans falling and Trey Tomlinson, th- those types of things um, sort of sway their hand toward more of those impact positions on offense or defense. And so then they're looking at, okay, if you're not going to get a draft, you're not, if you're not going to use a draft pick on a kicker, then that means you automatically shift to the plan of, okay, you're going to get bring in at least two kickers, maybe a third veteran kicker into training camp. And you're going to have a little bit of a competition because at that point um, you could better convince college free agents that they have a better chance of making the roster um, without somebody already on the roster via the draft. So once you know you're not going to have somebody on the roster via the draft, you can get your next few top choices at kicker and bring them in and convince them to accept your your offer, essentially, to be a UDFA, to come into camp and really put their best, uh, pun definitely intended, their best foot forward um, and see how it all shakes out because there's more of a chance of a undrafted free agent kicker making a roster when it's UDFA versus UDFA versus uh, instead of um, 
uh, a UDFA coming in and trying to beat out a draft pick that teams are a lot of times more committed to generally speaking. So that's kind of the way it was going to always shake out. So um, it's not like there was a plan A or a plan B. It's just sort of like two plans at the same time. And this is the one that they pivoted to. So um, man, that's a lot of picks, Rich. Holy shit. Woo! My goodness. You are you were uh, busy, Jordan. And, a lot uh, I know of you're information not that too. in my brain all... right now. Yes, uh, <laughs> and I really am excited to see what those uh, two stories coming out later this week again, depending on when you're listening to this. Uh, I'm referring to Wednesday and Thursday, back to back. Wow, uh, big stories on the draft process, on the college free agent uh, process. Jordan, if we want to wrap it up here, maybe just um, a little bit of a look ahead. Uh, obviously, we're going to be staying with people throughout the throughout the off season here, but. Um, People think of the draft maybe as well. The offseason's over. And of course, we know that's not the case. Uh, where are we now? Uh, what's going to be coming up here in the next couple of weeks? I know we've got the OTAs continuing, minicamp, things like that. So when are we going to start to see or when are you at least going to start to see some of these guys on the field and getting integrated and that sort of thing? Yeah, this I look at this really as the start to the offseason. So OTAs, yeah. they won't be on the field until I think the middle of May. So I won't get to really see them until I think around the middle part of the month. Um, but at the same time, you know, there's going to be lots of onboarding. There'll be um, the Rams, the, the the few veterans that they do have, they are going to, they're all on site and they're going through their workouts. So we'll be talking to them over the next couple of weeks. And yeah, that's pretty much, it's, it's quiet, but not so quiet. Um, I always make the comparison to the duck swimming on the surface of the lake with their <laughs> legs paddling furiously. Um, can't share much more than that at the moment, but um, something uh, pretty major that I'm pretty excited about um to maybe share more details with you guys about in the coming mm. weeks and months um so um yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be cool i'm this is gonna be i mean it's just let's all just lean into it guys like let's just go numb right <laughs> it's like hypothermia yes you know, it's fine <laughs> it's like it's just gonna be weird all of it's gonna be weird but right. what i think is so great about this fan base is like we all kind of embrace the weird like they could be really good they could be a disaster either way there's going to be like chaotic, weird, chaotic, good, chaotic, neutral coming out through, right. um, you know, all of the the various uh, occasions, incidents, games, practices. And so we're just going to see how it goes. And to me, that's really interesting is kind of seeing what the, uh, for lack of a better word, like what the vibes are, um, because at the draft house, the vibes between the new coaches were pretty good. I mean, it's a group that seems very, very comfortable with each other um, right away, which I think is interesting. Um, a little less tense, I think, coming back. I, I mentioned this to a, one of the Rams executives. It's like last year, the house was so fancy. It was all up in the, it was in the Hollywood Hills. It was so fancy and they had a great time. But there was also this almost like frantic feeling maybe is that is the right word because it was so like they were so rushed for time they mm. had literally just you know right. just gotten their you know what together in in terms of everyone who you know that their, their season ended in the middle of february and they had just sort of um started to get, regather themselves back up and everything was rushed and condensed and then there was also this sort of like that just the expectations were looming. And so it was almost like they didn't want to face those expectations. And so they 
maybe got a little looser than they wanted to the first night. And then everything just felt really frantic. And, and so um, there was a little bit of a different vibe this year permeating through um, lots of communication, lots in terms of the, the actual process itself, um, lots of planning, lots of, or everything felt very organized. Um, and, and then in the, in the moments where there were depth, there was downtime. The staff just really genuinely seemed like they enjoyed being around each other, um, but not in a uh, frat house kind of way, like it kind of was last year. More so in right. a, more so in a uh, really just like kickback vibes. <laughs> Does that make sense? Like, yeah. Am yeah. I? Am I? Uh, Am I uh, too old? Is I mean, does do we know that the phrase "kickback" like chill outdoor hang with a couple kegs? Like, uh, and, and it, yeah. If you're too old, then I'm hopeless. So I don't. <laughs> you're asking the wrong person. And it makes total sense to me. But those uh, are the vibes. Yeah, yeah we can you can get somebody to help uh, translate for us after this gets posted. But uh, uh, excellent stuff. Jordan, um, throughout, again, I don't know how far you want to go back. I mean, it's it's been the, the draft content has been extraordinary uh, for, for weeks, if not months now. And uh, I know you're not done. That's the great part. So uh, thanks for all that great rundown. I, I don't think you can ask for a better primer on everything that, that happened. But if you want to go more in depth, and please do, uh, you can go to theathletic.com. Click the tab, find the Rams content. Oh, my gosh. You'll, you'll be there all day. There's so much stuff there. You can just keep reading and reading and reading. And uh, again, our readers, our subscribers know that. We appreciate you so much. Thank you for being with us. And Jordan, it's been a while since I've been with you. I, I can't imagine. Uh, you, uh, you, in, in the old days, Jordan, you used to be able to go to theathletic.com slash 11 personnel. I, I have to think that's not the case anymore. There's no way that you can still do that and go, you know, get something, right? I mean... That's done, isn't it? You know, it's really hard to believe, Rich, but they are still letting what? us do this. I can't and believe it. What do you get? My favorite thing in the entire world. They're still allowing it. Cannot believe it, guys. It is my favorite thing in the world. A great discount when you subscribe Damn. to The Athletic through the 11 Personnel Podcast. And we see you, actually. We know a lot of you do. So we, we do see this return. <laughs> so yes. thank you, guys. And Every time you get my favorite thing in the world, which is a great discount to a year of the athletic guys, this is so far been a total blast. Appreciate all of you guys. You, you all, I just want to commend you too. I'm in the comment section a little bit more than I am on Twitter recently. And in those comment sections, you guys are asking some awesome, awesome questions. And I really appreciate that thoughtful, nuanced clearly have been following um, the context of the topics, clearly have been following along with the the writing and and the podcast. And uh, Rich, you, you uh, by the way, you have some uniform questions to answer here soon. I, I have no answers and, and you yeah. need to kind of get get on it here, man. Get get your uh, yeah. get your news hound nose going here for, for some of those questions. But good summer guys... content. Good summer content. <laughs> good summer content. Well, now we've got a, a Stetson and a dresser yes. and, a ward and a wardrobe. So now we just need the uniforms, yeah. right? Don't forget about nightstand. Too. And, nightstand. Be big. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, I just wanted to commend you guys, our listeners, our subscribers, our readers. Um, you guys freaking rock and I appreciate it. Thanks to everyone who always looks a little bit deeper than what's on the surface. Um, I just, I, I feel a very special kinship to, to all of you. Um, the draft is over, guys. Now the actual football starts getting rolling here so make sure you're staying caffeinated make sure you're staying hydrated 
and taking care of each other and yourselves. And we'll catch you next time.